0: Welcome back, listeners. You are listening either on the Substack, uh, charliedemares.substack.com to the Full of Chit Chat podcast, or you are one of our new listeners on the Harbinger podcast network, of which we're very pleased to be a part. Uh, if you um, are uh, uh, able to check out any of the a- other excellent shows on the Harbinger uh, network, so just some incredible uh, progressive uh, work that's being done there. Shows like Oats for Breakfast that I've just been, I've been listening to uh, for a very long time and just thrilled to be uh, broadcasting with and uh, so Andre Goulet is the podcast master there uh, putting up full of chit chat through the Harbinger Podcast Network and doing incredible work with uh, all those other shows that we're very happy uh, to be a part of and I could not be more pleased to be presenting uh, your guest this week uh, who is. I will say a, a, a hero of mine and a hero of many people and and um, someone who uh, in my world uh, sort of needs no introduction and so then, when I start trying to put the introduction together, I just try and do the highlight reel and it's, uh, and, it, and then it starts getting pretty long uh, but for many decades the um, the conscious of the uh, Canadian parliamentary left, uh, the stalwart of, of Canadian socialism. Uh, our country's first openly gay uh, member of parliament, uh, a pioneer on just so many issues, uh, whether um, gay rights or indigenous rights or um, uh, right to die legislation, uh, just for for decades, uh, just one of the leading lights in in, in this country. And and for very many years, my family's member of parliament, it's Sven
1: Robinson. Charlie. Wonderful to be with you. I've been really excited about uh, about this adventure, and uh, uh, congratulations on your podcast. It's been it's been just terrific, and so uh, to be invited to be a part of it is uh, is really special. And uh, look forward to uh, to chatting. Well, I, I really appreciate
0: you being here, and and this is your as you told me off, mic, the your third zoom of the day and it is uh we are we are absolutely i mean we're i mean we're well and truly past the zoom fatigue state of the (laughs) the pandemic we're just i I will do anything to avoid it i I phoned into a zoom meeting today which is always that weird um you're the one kind of disembodied voice in the zoom meeting everybody else can see each other and you're just speaking like from another dimension it's always very strange but it is uh, uh it is it's very hard, and so I, I appreciate I appreciate your being here. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll make it painless. Good. <laughs> I I, I want to start by um, per- perhaps embarrassing you a little bit, but I I, I do want to get into um, a substantial question out the other end of it. Um, I I grew up in a house where you were. Um, without too much exaggeration, something of a secular saint, because um, <laughs> in, in, in our home in, in Burnaby, uh, where you were the Member of Parliament, um, my, my mom, who, uh, as anyone who, who reads um, the posts on the Substack uh, knows, uh, this year um, is 30 years um, since uh, she passed away, and, and uh, she got very sick in the, in the mid-80s, um, had been working at the time as, as, a, as a dispatcher, um, and uh, was, was no longer able to work. And, and we had been unable to get uh, her uh, disability payments um, from the federal government. And uh, finally, in just sort of desperation, turned to our member of parliament, uh, who was Sven Robinson of the NDP, and uh, the way the story is told in my family, and I don't know if this is, has become exaggerated with with age <laughs> or or what, but it's always that within a week, the, the the check not only arrived but we had eleven months in arrears, um, and uh, from that point on, you know, you were Sven Robinson in in our house, and <laughs> and when I was phoning for you for this last federal election. There were so many people uh, whenever I was calling these these people in North Burnaby, particularly with the, the people with the Italian names, the Chinese names, people who, you know, you could, you could sort of demographically guess had been in the neighborhood for 30, 40 years, maybe longer. You know, p- people who had been your constituents um, years back, people had so many stories like that. And um, I, I that was always your reputation was as this constituency politician. I want you to speak to that uh to, to how important that was given especially the very radical um politics that you were also trying to do in your in your career. Um but also how that might be different from the way uh a, a, an ambitious young politician might Try and build a reputation for themselves in today's social media age.
1: Well, yeah, again, great, uh, great question, Charlie, and and, and great uh, memories of your family in Green Tree there in Green Tree Village, and, and so many memories uh, of that uh, and, and you growing up and Mosscroft and Marlena Morgan and mm-hmm. uh, just um, uh, it, it really does bring back uh, a lot of a uh, lot of memories. Let me just say a couple of things about that. I mean, first of all, you know. For me, although I was involved in many, many kind of high-profile issues and battles over the 25 years, a little over 25 years that I had the honor of representing the the folks in Burnaby, and for some of those years in Vancouver, um, I mean, the issues that you've touched on, whether it be on environmental issues, whether it be on uh, coming out as as gay, uh, going to jail for civil disobedience, uh, the right to die, foreign affairs issues, Palestine, all of those, but for me, the most important part of my job was making sure that my constituents, no matter how they voted or how old they were or anything else, that they knew that I always had their back. And so um, whatever the issue was, if it was within federal jurisdiction, and, and sometimes I strayed beyond. I mean, you might mm. remember standing in front of, a, uh, uh, of uh, one of the big machines there, that the forklifts that was... Um, trying to take down trees in the cemetery in behind Green Tree Village uh, to stop them from um, destroying the trees in the in the cemetery. They're not entirely a federal issue. Right? But, uh, um, so, so for me, that was an incredibly important part of the job. Um, and uh, I had I had I was blessed with incredible uh, staff and MPs often, uh, you know, the, the, the unsung heroes of many elected representatives are the people that worked with us, and so you know I had wonderful staff who who knew that this was the most important thing for me. I mean, one of my staff members, Bill Sixay, went on to, to become the member of Parliament right? Right. in uh, in two thousand and four. So, yes, you're right. That was uh, that was such an important part of the work that I that I did, and uh, and it was wonderful when I was door knocking in the, in the most recent federal election, twenty nineteen. As you said, coming across so many of the folks uh, in the Burnaby side of the riding who who shared with me how we've been able to make a difference for them and their their families. So so that was important. But here's 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 the other here's the flip side of that, Charlie. Um, that in a sense that reputation, which which went beyond New Democrats, was also what gave me the freedom to be able to take strong stands on issues that would have killed other politicians. Exactly. Because and and that's what I I've I tried to sort of share that story with many of my political colleagues because. You know, even, even if my constituents, you know, disagreed with me fundamentally, I mean, we had the, the, the big debate on in capital punishment, for example, in the mid 80s. And I, I know that my constituents were, you know, a majority of them supported capital punishment, but I was very clear on my stand on that. Um, right. I mean,
0: and, and to, to situate this for people who, who don't know the writing, the, the writing, my elementary school was kitty corner to Ocala, uh, maximum yeah. security prison. I mean, this was, there, there were there would have been executions happening in the riding as as late as four years before you became the MP for, for the area. I, You're I, I, right.
1: Yeah, You're right. So many of those issues. I mean, I was the justice critic and, you know, I spoke out on prisoners' rights. I mean, you mentioned Ocala. I, I, I was into Ocala many times, tried to get, have it shut down. And ultimately, we were successful, but I spoke out on prisoners' rights. I spoke out on, on, on the right to die, which, I mean, as it happens, the public was light years ahead of the politicians on that one. But what I'm trying to say is that even, for example, when I came out publicly as as being gay in, in, in 88, I mean, many of my political colleagues said, look, you know, we support you, but this is political suicide. And this is Burnaby, for God's sake. Uh-huh. Uh, this isn't Vancouver Centre. This is, this is Burnaby. Um, but you know what, really, my constituents – at that point, they trusted me, they respected me. And how many times did I hear them say, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but, but I know that you're, you're gonna be honest with us, right? And, and also, by the way, you know, you helped my grandmother get her pension or, or, or you, yeah, know, yeah. My, you were at my kid's graduation ceremony and, and gave the Tommy Douglas scholarship from your from your salary. You know? <laughs> and so so it was precisely that combination of, of, of being an incredibly hardworking constituency representative but also speaking out and taking tough stands on the issues. I was given the the, the gift by my constituents to, to be able to do that. And what a precious gift that was.
0: I feel like, um, well, I do want to, I, I do, I feel like I would be remiss in not saying uh, that, that you're also your constituency associate as uh, your constituency assistant uh, Delphine uh, is, is by coincidence, uh, the um, uh, was the the grandmother of my cousin's uh, husband, uh, so I my cousin married into uh, Delphine's family, and, and Delphine, of course, just passed away a couple of of weeks ago. Um, uh, a, a woman who's in some way who, whose story was so much of the CCF NDP of the of the twentieth century. Uh, in many ways, you know, a profile that. You you would never associate with somebody who would be a lifelong um, uh, NDPer today of you know rural Sunday school teacher type person who moves to the mm-hmm. big city and and ends up um, um, working with you
1: for I mean you know qu- quite a long time but um, she was my first constituency assistant Delkell and you know it's amazing I'm so glad you mentioned her at my nominating meeting uh, when I ran last time. Um, who came to speak at my nominating meeting was Del Carroll at the age of 94 years old. Uh, wow. And, uh, and it was in Del Carroll's living room, Delphine Carroll's living room, Delphine and, and, and her then husband Ray in their living room. When this 25 year old kid, Sven Robinson um, said, look, you know, um, how about running in the new riding of Burnaby? And they, they supported me hundred percent. I'd been the president of the young new Democrats when um, the party establishment of the day uh, found another candidate to try to run against me. Uh, they said, "No bloody way! It's the it's the grassroots of this party they're going to decide who the candidate is." And and they did. So, it, but but those are the kind of people, the grassroots New Democrats that uh, that for me over those many many years um, made such a difference. And 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 they always stood with me. They mm-hmm. Always. I mean, this is something that
0: I remember very clearly. I mean, as a kid growing up in the, and and I mean, as a as a fairly, you know, plugged in kid. I mean, I don't want to give the impression that I had a, a totally normal uh, uh, sense of of politically what was going on in the uh, in the writing. I, I was obviously a bit more attentive than than some of my peers were, but you know, we were in a we were in a, a situation where I mean, there was. There was strong um, support for, for instance, the Reform Party at the time. I mean, there were there were some real um, involved grassroots Reform Party uh, party activists uh, in in the writing. Oh yeah, um, uh, you know this this was not in any way, shape, or form. You know, the Republic of East Vancouver. You know, this was not a commercial drive. Uh, you know, a strip of commercial drive where you know your your basic political rivalries are between Marxist Leninists and anarchists I mean this was this was suburbia in in the 80s and 90s and I remember very distinctly that that sense from even very kind of right-wing upper middle class you know fellow students you know parents or families that even if even if they absolutely did not follow you on on these these big questions that, that were very, I mean, polarizing issues in, in, a, lot of, in a lot of ways uh, in that time, that no one could deny that you were their MP, which just feels so out of step with how the left presently um, thinks of itself, which is that you you just kind of, you just write off the... The, the sort of the impure people or the bad people who are who are not on, on your side. Um, that's just that was just really never seemed to be how you worked.
1: No, it's it's true. And I mean I, I keep thinking of that figure of 70 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, right? Right. And, and, and you know many of those people, good, solid, working class you know, Americans, many uh, Latinos, uh, many uh, African Americans, um, who were you know taken in by that that message, and 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 sadly, that the Democratic Party uh, lost connection with. I mean, Bernie Sanders, of course, did everything he possibly could to to to, to try to build those bridges, but um, no, I, I I just um I my approach always was uh, to uh, to to say, look, uh, you know, I'm the member of Parliament for. Uh, for, for this community and um however you vote uh you know i'll fight like hell and i'm i was as partisan as they come during elections but uh yeah uh, and 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 on the issues obviously as well but um at the end of the day um i was their representative i was their voice and, and i was the person that uh, if they were getting screwed around by the federal government i was the person that was going to fight for them
0: i think about you often in terms of the contemporary ndp because I, I I can never decide whether Sven Robinson won the long term battle for the soul of the party or 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 not, or if it's more complicated than that. I mean, in in so many ways, some of the issues that you were pushing. Um, I mean, and, and 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 let's I guess restrict the conversation at least for now to the to the federal party, um, because the, the provincial party. I mean, it opens a, a it's a it's a whole other kettle of fish in in, in some ways. But at the federal level, the party now uh, takes, at, at least in a in a rhetorical way, very seriously issues that you would have been really kind of alone in the wilderness on um, uh, in in the 80s and 90s, in terms of talking about, um, uh, you know, for, foregrounding um, gay rights and trans rights and and speaking very seriously about indigenous sovereignty and and uh, environmental issues, I mean, uh, anti-racism, all of this stuff that, you know, you, you were kind of tilting at windmills with uh, in the NDP uh, decades ago, in so many ways, that's now just Bread and butter. I mean, it's inconceivable to imagine that uh, the federal a federal NDP campaign not speaking to those uh, issues and not taking seriously those issues. On the other hand, the the party seems to have. Uh, I mean, I, I, I I'm trying to put this in a um, in, in a way that, that that's diplomatic, uh, you know, for both of our sakes here. But but that. The, 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 the The economic populism the the bread and butter um populism that was also always part of uh your program and 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 that was always coupled with those uh with those campaigns with you that that seems to have um fallen away and that and that the way that those things are talked about is often spoken about in this kind of you know middle class or academic language. Um, that seems, you know, completely culturally at odds with with traditional NDP, um, you know,
1: uh, support. Yeah, boy, there's lots to unpack there. Um, I mean, a a couple of things. And yes, yes, I mean, you're right that many of the issues that I was battling away on back in the day, particularly around uh, the environment and, as you say, on Indigenous uh, rights. Um, we've we've there's certainly made incredible progress on that, certainly on LGBT issues. Um, there's been great progress, although the T, trans rights, I think is still one of the great challenges. There's still an incredible amount of work to be done around respecting the rights of trans folks. Um, so yes, we've made some progress on that. I mean, I, I remember, for example, when I stood on the line at uh, Clackwood Sound, um, the first day of the, uh, of the protest, it was 1993, uh, and over the course of that summer, you'll remember, Charlie, over 800 people um, courageously took a stand and stood on the line at the Kennedy Lake Bridge and mm-hmm. and uh, to, to speak out against that. That was tough. I mean, people forget that was an NDP government provincially that was in power then. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, I had uh, my, and my federal uh, caucus colleagues at the time issued a press release. I mean, Lyle Williams was the president, was the chair of the BC caucus and demanding that uh, that i'd be thrown out of the bc caucus uh, you know jack monroe the head of the iwa sent strong letters to uh to um Audrey mclaughlin demanding that i be fired from the ndp and so on now you're right that that wouldn't happen today um there's there's been significant progress made particularly on indigenous uh uh sovereignty issues and so on and uh we've got some amazing leaders uh, in the movement. I, I think of the, the MP from uh, Winnipeg, for example, Leah Gazan, young mm. indigenous woman who's terrific, just outstanding. Uh, Romeo Saginash, recently retired uh, uh, and, and others. So they, I would say they've made just a, a huge difference. Leah is making a, a huge difference, but, you know, having said that, there's still, um, you're right. There's still major, major challenges in a, in a couple of areas, um, one is around uh, economic justice, uh, and uh, for example, and, and this is just one example. I don't just in the last few days, there, Jagmeet Singh made an announcement, and it was a great overall, a, a really great announcement around forgiving student debt, right? Mm-hmm. Post-secondary education student debt, twenty thousand dollars would be forgiven. There's a five-year moratorium and so on, which is terrific. Uh, working with the provinces for towards the goal of a free post-secondary education. This is this is great stuff, right? But then, when you read the fine print, um, they're going to start clawing back the, uh, the, the the student debt forgiveness at a family income of sixty thousand dollars a year. Well you know you've just lost a whole swack of, of folks in Burnaby and elsewhere uh-huh. on that issue that, that say, "Hey, you know I mean that's not me right um, And so I think we can do a lot better job of responding in a, in a serious way to, to some of those some of those issues. I want to also just Come back to, to what you said because you you, you prefaced your questions about um, about the progress that we've made by saying you know we have to set aside the provincial NDP right right and and this of course is one of the great um, one of the great dilemmas and one of the great challenges and one of the toughest toughest areas that I I confronted during my time in in Parliament in 25 years Charlie was was the reality that too often um, we would take a position a strong position federally. And then the BC party or another provincial party would take a position that people say, well, hold on a second, you know, you're in government here. What are you doing? And so we can take a great position on, um, uh, on the environment, uh, on indigenous sovereignty. And then people will say, yeah, but what about the Witsuit? You yeah. know, or what about Site C? Or what about LNG? Um, and that's where, the, 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 that's where the dilemma, to a certain extent, arises. Uh, because you know, my view has always been that the federal party is the federal party and we've got to take a strong and bold and principled stand on these issues and where we differ with our provincial or territorial colleagues. Uh, you know, Rachel Notley singing the praises of Trans Mountain Pipeline, for example. We've got to acknowledge that, the, yes, they've done amazing work on many different issues, but we differ fundamentally with them on, on these. and. Uh, and that's still one of the areas where the federal NDP um, is is afraid to tread, frankly, too often. And, and I think it's an area where we lose a lot of young people who, who, who don't make that kind of distinction. Well, you know, this is federal NDP. This is provincial. They say, yeah, but hold on, Sven. You know, this is the NDP. And uh, what are you up to? So um, it, um, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging situation because, as I say, so much good work that's being done and some really again, outstanding uh, provincial MLAs. I mean, uh, you know, I think of people like Bowen Ma and, and, uh, and, and Katrina Chan, and, 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 and I could name a lot of others that are really fine, dedicated, hardworking um, uh, pro- pro- provincial representatives. Mm-hmm. And you know, himself has done a lot of good work, but, but on some of these kind of key issues around indigenous rights, uh, sightsee, respect for uh, indigenous peoples in, uh, in the Wet'suwet'en area, uh, we've still got a lot of work to do.
0: I mean, so so often it feels like the NDP, the federal NDP, is just, uh, in some ways, uh, hemming to policy that was the campaigning provincial NDP's policy. And that, you know, for instance, with the with with Rachel Notley and and you know, Rachel Notley as a candidate was constantly talking about getting. Alberta off the uh the roller coaster of oil and uh, you know this all the eggs in one basket economy and 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 you know all of that just absolutely disappeared as as soon as um uh she got into government and I mean I think that's one of the things that really contributes to that feeling of of cynicism is just that that the thing that has kept the federal NDP purer in some ways than the provincial is, is just that, um, that lack of, of, of power. And that was one of the things that I, I just loved so much about um, Graham Trulove's uh, biography about you was that he, he wrote about he, the work that you did as this, you know, third party MP um, we really do have in our system quite, there is a lot that the party that's, not, we have this idea that if you're, if you are not part of the governing majority party, that you're really just there in Ottawa decoratively. And yeah.
1: that's not at all true. No, 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 you're, you're, you're right. And uh, I mean, I, I think that historically, um, when, when you look at some of the finest, um, Periods of 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 the of the NDP. I'm thinking, for example, of the government between '72 and '74, the minority government from '72 to '74. Mm -hmm. Um, That was um, uh, one of the one of the Ed Broadbent was the leader of the party then, or sorry, David Lewis was the uh, the leader of the party then, uh, and he said, look, you want you want our support, we're going to have a publicly owned. Uh, energy corporation in this country called petro canada we're going to have reform to election financing we're going to support seniors with some dignity in terms of 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 indexing old age pensions and so on and and half a dozen other key issues where even though we had a small number of people we were able to make a difference as a caucus Um, when when tommy douglas and the ndp caucus stood up against the war measures act i mean Mm -hmm. they, they didn't have power but they had the moral authority and the the integrity to, to to make a to take a stand. And 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 you're right. Individual members of parliament can make a difference. I mean, Ian Waddell, dear friend of mine who who died just recently, yeah. a member who died just recently. Ian and I um, single handedly managed to keep property rights out of the constitution of Canada when when the federal NDP caucus was determined to make a deal. I mean, I'll never forget being in the being in, 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 in the House, and uh, they, they, they needed unanimous consent to, to, to get to push this thing through. I just said, there's no bloody way that, that you're going to get unanimous consent. And, uh, I mean, I had Dave Barrett phoning me, you know, threatening me and everything else. And, and I said to Ian, Ian, when I got to take a BP break, I want you in there to deny <laughs> unanimous consent, right? Uh, and Ian was great, he did. Um, and, I mean, that would have, including property rights in the Constitution would have meant made a, a major, major destructive impact on indigenous rights, on the right of us to protect against foreign ownership of land and so on. Um, and so we were able to, to make make that difference um, in, in, I think, an important way. And I think, you know, Margaret Mitchell, the work that Margaret Mitchell did, for example, the work that Don Black did uh, around um, the, um, the issue of violence against women uh, together with, with Margaret and Don's and work to commemorate uh, the victims of um, uh, of the uh, gun violence on December 6, mean, an individual member of Parliament can make a difference, and mm-hmm. and and I mean I, I think even even in the face of this pandemic now, um, one of the MPs that I think has been just a a, a real star and, and has done such a great job is is Don Davies, who um, uh, is the member of Parliament from Vancouver Kingsway, part of yeah. my old. And Don has just been like a bulldog, you know, going after the government uh, on behalf of the people, uh, calling for a publicly owned pharmaceutical company, um, and and making a real difference, um, working across party lines uh, in the middle of the, this terrible pandemic. So, yeah, um, mm. members of parliament, you don't have to be in government to make a difference.
0: You are uh, an ad- uh, an adoptive member of uh, i believe it's eagle clan in, in um, Haida. Yeah. Uh, That's right. um and uh, if 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 i if i had any impression that that was a sort of honorific or or kind of ceremonial adoption those ideas were very much put paid when i have visited hidaqui and whenever i've uh, you know mentioned you on stage you know if i you know if i as i'm getting into my set and say oh you know, my MP when I was a kid was always coming up to Haida Gwaii and, uh, you know, and then be, people would come up to me after the show and say, Oh, Sven's my brother. Um, you know, th- this is like, I, I realized like, this is, this is a, a you know, very much, uh, a, a serious adoption. This is a, uh, this is a community that, um, uh, that, that very much, uh, uh, sees you as, 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 as one of their own and, and, and your, and your, uh, your little brother is, uh, well, I'll let you tell it, uh,
1: <laughs> well, my little brother's a chief counselor and skidding it. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Oh yeah, well I was thinking of uh your uh oh, your David other Suzuki. adoptive little brother. Yeah. little brother.
1: Oh, yeah, sure David not. Suzuki. Yeah, cuz yeah, not everybody
0: gets a, a, the little brother who's uh, you know, that's kind of like your version of the um like my dad has the Roman Catholic thing of having an uncle who's younger than him. Uh, that's true. No, yeah, when no, you I, when you get the little brother, when you get the little brother who's older than you, that's a very special <laughs> kind of well, thing.
1: It, no, no, it's, it's funny. It's funny you should mention because actually, my, my, my adopted little brother, Billy Ivanovich, is a chancellor in, in Skidgingit. But uh, David Suzuki, just a quick story. It was it was. Uh, so, yeah, I stood on the line with uh, with the Haida in 1985 at Isle Island, and you know we were able to, uh, together with three just remarkable elders. Um, with Ada Ivanovich, who was my adopted Haida mother, and Ethel and and uh, Watson, and I just want to honor their memory and, and and all of the Haida who who stood on the line there. Buddy Richardson, who was the, the head of the Haida Nation at the time, um, and so I was adopted into the Haida Nation, um, uh, and it was a, it was just an incredibly moving, uh, and 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 such a great honor. Uh, and to be part of the family and to be part of Ada's family. And, and Ada one day said to me, "Sven, she said, you know, David Suzuki, I just love David Suzuki. Do you think maybe he might be willing to um, join the family if I adopted him? <laughs> and I said, well, I have a feeling he might be, Ada, you know. It's so a long story short, uh, uh, David was adopted into the uh, uh, the Haida Nation as well, into the same family as me, into the Eagle Clan as well. And just a wonderful, wonderful story that followed because um, – David's uh, daughter, Severin, um, then um, ended up moving up to uh, to Haida Gwaii, marrying Ada's uh, grandson. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And and the son of Diane Brown, who was on the line at at Haida Gwaii as well, my my sister, um, and who was also charged. We were, you know, she was one of the people who charged with contempt of Court along with myself and others. Um, And so Severin, David's daughter, ended up marrying up there and um uh and they had a child and they've been living up there for some time she's learned the haida language uh and severin actually is just coming back to become the new executive director of the david suzuki foundation but uh oh wow i didn't know that i because i actually when i was up there i I, there was a um
0: a raven clan potlatch and 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 so severin is in raven clan
1: that's uh, right
0: and uh she was um uh, so, she, so she was like she was serving the f- food and drinks and everything over the course of the. I mean, it was like a twelve or thirteen hour um, potlatch. But I, I got to meet her and and her husband. Um, her her in in uh, I mean, incredibly handsome husband. Uh, he's like a sort of movie star looking. He's a guy. hunk. Yes, very <laughs> very much. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so I met them both very very. Uh, 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 very wonderful people. And, um, and I met your, your little brother, uh, Billy, who, who yeah. is, um, uh, who I, one has uh, very kindly and sweetly offered to, uh, take, uh, my daughter Josephine and I out uh, fishing because fishing. Josephine wants uh, to go fishing. Um,
1: he's the best fisherman in the business.
0: Well, yeah, he was, he was sort of bragging about his, his take, uh, uh the last time. And, and so I said, well, listen, my daughter really wants to go, f- wants to go fishing once once the pandemic is is, is over and we can safely visit will will you take us out um but of course it was it was quite a stressful um year on on Uruguay, uh it, with with the pandemic and and fighting to have sort of control over um uh over you know entry uh, um to to territory and you know in a in a in a territory That's that right. has like in fairly recent Um, historical memory been almost almost wiped out uh, by by um, pandemics and I spoke to Billy this past summer uh, the day after they finally got the the British Columbian government to to um, uh, do the travel ban that they had been asking for and he was just uh, you know it was in the middle of this you know big caravan of of honking cars uh you know I was talking to Billy over the webcam and he took it over to his window to see everybody honking and celebrating but i mean it's yeah. it's um uh you know th- this has been uh e- there was an American book I think that came out uh if it was not last year it was in the last couple of years but uh I might be getting the title wrong but the 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 title was something like the the Haida, The Haida Gwaii model or the Haida Gwaii, um something uh, but, but essentially saying like that that Hideguay should be the template for indigenous nations across uh, the Americas essentially yep. in terms of just what they have been able to do in terms of, I mean, for one, we're saying to Gwaii and not Queen Charlotte Islands. Like yeah. uh, there has just been this, uh, in, in, to, to say a little bit about the way that archipelago has become. In some ways it's, it's, it's couldn't be more physically remote and marginal. And then in other ways, it's just been totally central to um, you know just setting the pace for for yeah. uh, in, uh, indigenous politics in, in and culture in, in, in no you
1: 're you're, you're right i mean the, the leadership has been incredible i mean buddy I mentioned uh, Gujao who was another great uh, is another great uh, great leader, and they have a new generation of of young people, uh, Jason and others who are on the front lines and yeah, I mean this really is uh, i think it 's a template it 's a model for indigenous um, sovereignty, uh, not just in Canada, but, but beyond. Uh, respect for the environment, uh, uh, health care. Um, and I think another one, one of the most important areas, Charlie, is, 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 is protecting the language. Mm-hmm. You know, language is such an essential part of, of, of identity. Uh, that's why Quebecers, for example, are, are so fiercely protective of of the French language. It goes to to who you are as a as a people and as nations. And and the Haida have really made a priority of of of, of not just protecting the language, because there were for a while there there were very few native speakers of the language. Uh, and now it's it's taught in the in the elementary school there, in secondary school. Uh, elderly people, the seniors are are passing on the language. It's it's very very exciting um, and they're also taking a very clear position around around their resources uh, of course around the salmon fishery and so on uh, but other uh, other resources as well no they I think um, they're really trailblazers they're leading the way for uh, for many many others to um, to respect what they're doing by the way if I can just Shamelessly put in a plug for my old friend and my my, my younger brother david suzuki i 'm um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure when this broadcast is going to be broadcast, but david turns eighty five uh, uh, in two days on the twenty fourth of March so oh big nice shout out, big shout out to, to david suzuki and, and so exciting to see Severin now taking on this this wonderful new role as the executive director of the David Suzuki foundation working. Of course, David and Tara will still be active, but, uh, but going to be the new ED.
0: That's very cool. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, she, you know, in so many ways people will remember having seen her as this little girl at the Rio, um, summit in, what was it? 92,
1: 92 yeah
0: yeah uh, And i mean um it, it in you know in some ways she was the, like a uh, a greta thunberg uh, avant la lettre um you know of this long
1: before her time i mean she was she was a, a leader and and of course you know david and and, and Tara as well but she was as a as a as a young uh, activist way back in 92 she she blazed a trail and i mean greta thunberg of course is a, Greta Thunberg, I should. I mean, my Danish background forces me to Right, to Thunberg. Uh she, um, I mean, she's, she's been a wonderful leader as well. I know we don't have a huge amount of time, but I, I just, that, that does bring me to the overriding issue. I mean, and the issue that really got me back into federal politics, having been out of the country for a decade, working as an international diplomat, a, a global diplomat based in Switzerland with the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, TB, and Malaria. It was a, an incredible opportunity, and I loved it. But I came back, and a big part of why I came back was because of the, the climate emergency. Right. And, um, and, and so, you know, I, I'm not running in this next federal election. Whenever it comes, we've got some exciting potential candidates in my in my riding of Burnaby North Seymour. Um, but I just want to just underscore that how incredibly important it is that we recognize that this this crisis the climate crisis i mean we're in the middle of a pandemic but but at the same time the climate crisis is just continuing to to take an incredible a terrible toll um and we need to fight a good war as seth klein has written so eloquently in his uh, in his book and you know charlie the way we've got to do that is we've got to bring progressives together we've got to bring progressives together to put this ahead of every other issue because it's an issue of global survival. So I was, I was very heartened by, for example, the support that, that Dimitri Lascaris got and Miriam Haddad got in the recent Green Party leadership uh, a campaign because they took a strong, clear, principled, what they called an eco-socialist message, and, they, and, and, and he almost won. Hmm. Um, and those people are our people. And, and, and if we 've got to find a way to to bring people together uh, I mean the right has uh, has been pretty good at, at consolidating power over many years but but we we progressives have got to do a lot better job of uh, of, of building building bringing people together, building those bridges here in Canada, and also of course of, of, of international solidarity global solidarity and you know for me that was another. For many years, I had the honor of being the foreign affairs critic for the party, of speaking out for the rights of the Palestinian people. Uh, I'm working now with Libby Davies on a strong resolution for the upcoming federal NDP convention on Palestine and on the the dangers of this International Holocaust Remembrance Association definition in silencing Palestinian solidarity. So these international issues are incredibly important. and when I see, for example, Nikki Ashton reaching out to Jeremy Corbyn, I say, good for you. <laughs> good for yeah. you. Uh, this is a positive thing. You know, and, and the Progressive International, uh, the work that they're doing and so on. But I, I'm, I'm concerned that my party, the federal NDP, has got to be doing far more to speak out in international, on international solidarity issues and, and to celebrate these international connections instead of being threatened by them.
0: Yeah, I mean, well there's there's so much there's so much in what you've just said. I mean, uh, I I mean on on the Nikki Ashton issue, I I mean I just feel like th- th- this is this is part of the um the new world that we live in of this uh radiating icky, ickiness or what people call the yick factor where all you have to do is is sort of tar someone and then that person tars just by association. So so you have you know these these uh, these accusations uh, about anti-Semitism within the British Labour Party that then get rolled into uh, accusations about uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, because he doesn't take them seriously enough or isn't doing enough about them or whatever it is the the accusation is mm. he then gets tarred as. Uh, you know, you know the 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 like the anti-racist of the British Parliament of, of the last forty years um, uh, uh, is is get, get gets tarred um, as, as anti-Semitic as part of this this total uh, smear campaign, and then uh, a, a Canadian socialist MP gets tarred for associating with him and so like now you know the, and that is just this um uh you know and 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 when 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 Ian Waddell died last week I I thought of uh you know the, the, there's the the whole history of of the way that um you know innuendo and 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 um uh you know the the, the whole story that 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 you guys went through that's that's um uh, that's outlined in the, in the Graham True Love. Um, well, it was it was terrible book, but I mean, this has become the way that politics is is done now, and not just done, but done with the full imprimatur and seal of approval of of the left um, or well, the right. You know
1: what? No, you're 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 right, and 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 here, here's what I mean. You, you're right, so so right, uh, Charlie, about uh, about. The, the extent to which it's just toxic. So so Nikki, Nikki Ashton, who's on the Council uh, of Progressive International, along, by the way, with, with those radical revolutionaries, Avi Lewis and Naomi Klein. Right. Um, you know, they're the three members of the, from Canada on the Council of Progressive International. Um, so she does a solidarity event uh, with Jeremy Corbyn. And you're right, Jeremy has fought racism all his life. And, and, and I mean, I remember... I'm old enough, and when I was an MP, I used to, when I visited Westminster in London, I remember getting together with Tony Benn, and Tony was one of the great stalwarts of the left in the UK, and just down the hall from us was a guy named Jeremy Corbyn, and we would have tea, you know, Tony loved his tea, and we would Mm -hmm. have tea, and, and, and we would talk about Palestine, and we would talk about public ownership and, and the war in Iraq and so on. Um, <laughs> we would talk about that,
0: Palestine uh, and public ownership. What a lovely socialist get-together, that sounds <laughs> <for>.
1: Exactly, <laughs> but, but if you told me that Jeremy Corbyn would be the leader of the Labour Party, I would say you were nuts, right? Yeah. Well, he went on to become the leader of the Labour Party, and so how do you, how do you discredit his, his progressive socialist politics? Well, it's the oldest canard in the books. You find a way to accuse him of anti-Semitism. It was an absolutely despicable lie. It spread over to to Nikki. She was attacked. But then, here's what here's the interesting thing. It wasn't just her. I was attacked as well by none other than Rick Smith, the head of the Broadbent Institute, which is one of the one of the tied at the hip to the, the federal NDP. Rick Smith, and he didn't attack Nikki. He attacked me, um, sort of saying, "Well, why you know why would why would you give any kind of platform to this anti-Semite uh, Jeremy Corbyn?" Now. You might know, and you do know, I'm sure from reading the book, that, that I I've, I've fought anti, anti-Semitism from the time I was, I mean, certainly all the time I was in politics. My grandparents in Denmark were part of the underground railway that helped Jews to escape over to Sweden. They hid Jews in their basement. I, I was almost alone in Parliament. In, in the 80s in bringing, trying to bring Nazi war criminals to justice, people who had fled to, uh, to Canada. Um, I mean, we had this terrible policy of shutting the doors to Jews that were fleeing and opening the doors to Nazi war criminals. Um, I, I fought anti-Semitism. I, I, I challenged Tariq Aziz in um, the Foreign Minister of Iraq at a conference in Iraq explicitly around the anti-Semitism that was taking place uh, from Saddam Hussein. And then these people have the nerve. And I helped, by the way, and I also helped uh, Jews who were trying to flee from, uh, to try to escape from, uh, uh, from the former Soviet Union. I helped them to, to get into, I worked with the Jewish community in Vancouver and elsewhere to, to, to help them get to, to Israel. So it's so totally dishonest and, and, and absolutely outrageous to, to use this anti-Semitism to try to silence those of us that speak out. In solidarity with the palestinian people and that's what this ihra definition is is doing they when charlie angus the ndp mp and leah gazan spoke out recently about the fact that the israeli government was denying covid vaccines to palestinians in the occupied territories they were attacked they were attacked by the israeli ambassador they were attacked uh, by conservative members of parliament who said that this was a an anti-semitic attack in breach of the ihra definition so uh, we've gotten to make it very clear that, yes, we fight anti-Semitism with every fiber of our being, but we also stand in total solidarity with the Palestinian people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a whole way of doing politics that has become totally mainstreamed. Like, I, I mean, I, I remember uh, when you were trying to equalize uh, Laws of consent in Canada, of, uh, ages of consent for for gay and straight sex in the country. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a it's a no-brainer, right? Whatever what a revolutionary the revolutionary
1: idea, yeah,
0: whatever the age of consent is, that is a separate question from the fact that whatever it is for straight sex, it ought to be the same for gay sex. That, that you know, yeah. that, um, and I remember the way. That uh, particularly the Reform Party uh, sort of used that uh, you know the, the, a selective uh, framing of that fact of just basically you know this guy wants to lower the age that boys can have sex essentially right is yeah. the is the way that it gets now I, you know that is, is that that has become the way that a fair number of our people. Do politics now, right? With this kind of, of of casting of aspersions of of a kind of, of a of a of, a, of create the icky factor, create the creep mm-hmm. factor um, through innuendo, through through rumor or or whatever, through, lies. Right? Uh, through yeah. and and through lies, and 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 I I feel like this is the thing that has become um, you know as, you know it's been and it's been particularly ramped up through uh, social media but it just seems like any of us who have been through the age of you know trying to do palestine politics right after 911 and how easy it was to be to be smeared as a as a as a terrorist sympathizer or or as mm-hmm. an anti-semite or as a whatever it was mm-hmm. um you know that 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 that, that that's why we're keen to point out that maybe it shouldn't be just about who can gather up the the biggest group of people on on Twitter um, to to call you whatever bad swear word they can they can come up with. And I and I mm-hmm. I worry about um, uh, elements in in uh, on the left that uh, that that you know I, you, we we've we've uh, the federal NDP has gone from being the the one party that stood up against the War Measures Act. Um, uh, to being the party that that said, hey, let's expand the terrorist list. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it'll be to include the Proud Boys because that's what's in the headlines this week, um, and and it'll get us a whole bunch of emails. It'll get us a whole bunch of signups, mm-hmm. but but who actually thinks that terrorist list is going to be used to uh, against? white supremacist that, that's that you expand the powers of of, of mm-hmm. surveillance and expand terrorists. that's going to be used against indigenous anti-pipeline activists it's going to be used against muslims it's going to be used against you know you name it it's not going to mm-hmm. be used against the proud boys
1: yeah yeah no it's obviously it's a concern i know that harsha walia for example from the bc civil liberties association has written very eloquently on this subject and Absolutely. i mean, I was, I was back in, I, I remember well, the, the, the very strong and principled stand that we took back in 2001 on the legislation that the government of the day brought in, remember, after, after 9-11. And we yeah. said, no, this, this is expanding the powers of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the state in a way that's completely unacceptable. In 84, I led the battle against the, the, the powers of, of, of CSIS, uh, to CSIS to, to spy on people and so on. So um, we, I mean, we've we we've, we've got that tradition, and, uh, and 1984. I, I think, that was a
0: good year to do it. <laughs>
1: well, that's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I I, I, I want to end on a on a positive note here, and I, I feel like one thing that we are, uh, you know, and I think it's natural because we we um, we think about the big emergencies, the various crises that are going on around the world, and and that are that are always, uh, you know, so much sharper in in the parts of the world that. Are, are starting from a place that's closer to the knife's edge because of colonialism, because of war, because of all these various um, asymmetries and inequalities around the world. But you mentioned, you know, having spent this 10 years out of the country working on um, the AIDS issue uh, and AIDS issues um, for, for 10 years, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, the um, the amazing uh, progress that has been made on on AIDS treatment and HIV treatment, and and uh, you know, in some ways, we just kind of walked away exhausted from all that amazing work, from this thing that we were just in absolute terror of for for twenty twenty five years, um, without really kind of pausing to to think about the the, the incredible work that was done. Does does any of that time in your life give you hope for this new crisis, the the, the climate emergency? Does any of your time, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, um, on on the AIDS portfolio, uh, give you hope um, in terms of facing th- this this new challenge?
1: Yeah, and what a great what a great question to to, to end our conversation on Charlie. Um, the short answer is yes, absolutely. Um, At at a number of different levels. I mean, one is that um, uh, we have, in a very important way, we've recognized that um, access to medicines, whether it's to fight HIV AIDS or malaria, tuberculosis, should be a fundamental human right. And it shouldn't be left up to big pharma to decide. Uh, and so that, because uh, you'll remember that in the beginning, in the beginning years of the of the AIDS crisis, some um, uh, those who were living with HIV and AIDS in, in in Africa, in particular, were just left to die. They hadn't, mm-hmm. they had no access because Big Pharma wasn't making any money out of it, and they had to be shamed, they had to be shamed into into providing uh, the the medicines that were desperately needed. So we've made progress there. We've certainly made progress in fighting the absolutely. Uh, Toxic homophobia that was around the, the battle. I mean, I I I, I remember so many uh, stories of of, of 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 people who died and people in the hospital in the ward in Saint Paul's the AIDS ward who were more afraid of their parents finding out that they were gay than that they were they were dying of AIDS. Um, it was and, and they died alone. It was a tragic tragic situation and the homophobia uh, the, the fight was steeped in homophobia. Um, if I can put in a plug for for the Netflix series, it's a sin. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful series that, okay. that tells us story very beautifully. I don't know if you've seen it, but no, um, I haven't. No, yeah, it, it's from the '80s. It's a it's a great, great series. So, so we've made some progress, but but and I think we've also made progress in naming some of the existing challenges, the systemic racism. That, uh, that we that we have to confront in, in fighting the pandemic. And we, we know that it's disproportionately affecting people of color, uh, black people, indigenous people. Uh, and so we're much more, I think we're much more open and, 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 and recognizing that these are some of the barriers. And I guess the last thing I would say is that what fills me with more hope than anything else, Charlie, more hope than anything else, is just the amazing young people that are not prepared to accept but the world has to be like this. Um, the tens of thousands that were marching in the climate march, um, the young high school students that were standing up at the Trans Mountain Pipeline uh, entrance, just saying, no, this is wrong. This is wrong for our planet. It's wrong for, for our people. It's denying uh, the, the rights of the tsleil and the Squamish and, and other First Nations people. Those young people the pe- young people who are fighting racism, the young people that are, are that, that don't give a damn about uh, about sexual orientation, and I mean and, uh, that, that define themselves as non-binary or pansexual or, or gender fluid. I, I don't even know half the descriptions <laughs> anymore, but they, they they don't care, and they they just accept people for who they are. This is wonderful, and it's that generation of young people that gives me hope for the future.
0: Wow. I uh you know, I was you know, was once that the thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old uh, debater uh whose whose MP was uh coming to the to the debate uh tournament to uh to say hi and, and wish us all well and remind us the importance of uh of of debating issues and thinking them through and and arguing about them in a in a principled way. And uh, I mean it's it's hard to believe that, that it's, that's that's some of those memories are close to 30 years ago. Um, and so now I'm old enough to join you in wistfully looking at the young generation <laughs> and, and being uh, happy but that they're scary, on the way. It's
1: hopeful, isn't it? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Sven, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, this is your third zoom of the day and, uh, you, you absolutely couldn't tell, uh, your indefatigability, uh, your, your record of indefatigability, uh, uh, sustains, uh, well into the, uh, late pandemic here. I just, uh, you know, appreciate you so much as, as an individual and, 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 and everything that, uh, you stand for in this country. And, and I just, um, uh, you know, I would not be uh, who I am, really, um, if not for
1: you. So, thank you. Well, thank you, and what a what a what a great honor it is, and it's been such a pleasure to. To, to be your friend and uh, you know max and my, my partner of many many years as well uh for for many many years and uh it's just it's great to see and I, I just uh, i'm always bragging about my buddy uh, charlie and how well you've done uh, <laughs> uh not just i mean in terms of your writing in terms of the podcast in terms of the debating and the media and so on so uh what a privilege to be able to join you today. And uh, those Zooms were okay. I, I'm, this year, I, I'm the J.S. Woodsworth sco- re- scholar at uh, Simon Fraser University, and they were part of that job. And what a, what a great opportunity that is as well. So, so fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Charlie.
0: Terrific. Uh, give my love to Max and uh, uh, accept a big virtual hug uh, over, the, uh, over the ethers here. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing each other in person very soon.
1: I hope so. Thank you, Charlie.
0: Take care. Thank okay. you.